Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And I'll begin reading at verse 1. David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. So let's take our topic today from the first three words of verse two, and that is, he makes me. He makes me. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for being our shepherd. Thank you, Lord, for calling us to be your sheep because Isaiah the prophet tells us that all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us have turned to our own way, but Lord, you laid all of our iniquity on Jesus the shepherd. When we weren't thinking about you, you were thinking about us. When we weren't seeking you, you were coming after us. When we could not make ourselves right with you, you made a way to send your son to give his life, to shed his blood, so that we who are sinful could be made the righteousness of God because of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the great exchange that he took our sin and he gave us grace, that he took our shame and he gave us love, that he took the fact that we were outcasts and he brought us near by his blood. We just want to say thank you today. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for church where we can get together and just be reminded of these precious truths and promises that you've given to us as your people. Thank you that we can get encouraged through the Holy Spirit as a community so that we can go out of here individually to make an impact in a world that needs to know of the gospel, not only in word, but also in deed. So continue to bless us, O oh God, to be a blessing. And now, Lord, help me with the time I have remaining to Speak a good word to feed your sheep today. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in advance for what we're going to learn and what you'll give us the strength to apply. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. He makes me. Nowhere in the Bible will you find God using the terminology of he makes you worship. You won't find that in the Bible. Now, he invites us. He encourages us to worship. He created us to worship, but he will not make us worship him. He will not make us go to church. Now, he wants us to go to church. He encourages us to go to church. He doesn't want us to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but he won't make you go to church. He won't make you tithe or give financially. The Holy Ghost will not hold a gun to your head during offering time and say, stick them up. He won't make you give. Now, he desires that you give. He encourages us to give. He compels us to give, but he won't make you. You won't find that in the Bible. He won't make you share your faith. Now, he wants you and he wants me to share our faith, to share the gospel with people who don't know the Lord. But nowhere in the Bible will you find he made him share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And nowhere in the Bible will you find it said that he makes us love our neighbor. 
that he makes us love our enemies. No, he wants us to love our neighbors and our enemy. He gives us the strength and even the desire, but he won't make us do it. He won't even make a person get saved. Now, his grace is irresistible and he draws us in, but he won't make you get saved. Jesus said of Israel that I stretched my hands out to you even as a chick would uh, her wings, but you were not willing to come to me. He won't make you come. He'll draw you in so that you come. But in this passage, we see something that's very peculiar in the Bible, and that is where God says he's going to make you do something. And in this passage, it says that he makes us lie down. He won't make you go to church, but he'll make you lie down. He won't make you tithe, but he'll make you lie down. He won't make you love your neighbor, but he will make you lie down because lying down reminds the sheep that the shepherd is in charge. Lying down, taking orders, reminds the sheep that the sheep must be submissive to someone greater than themselves. Because when sheep make life about the sheep, life is miserable. But when the sheep make life about the shepherd, life is not only bearable, but it is also enjoyable. Because life is not about us. Life is about the one who created us. But we get it twisted and think that we're on the throne, that we're the center of the universe. But no, God is the uncaused one who causes everything. And he is the one who is absolute and eternal. He is the one in whom we live and move and have our being. So we were created to worship him, to glorify him, and even to enjoy him. It's not about us, it's about him. And sometimes as sheep, we're not so smart and we tend to become selfish creatures and we think it's about us that it's up to us but it's not about us it's not up to us it's about Jehovah it's about Yahweh it's up to him and the 23rd Psalm as we get a fresh look at it it's so easy to be self-absorbed and see all that God will do for me but we don't take into account all that God does so that we can be beneficiaries of his blessings you see in the natural realm a shepherd works hard and our God works hard to care for us because we need a whole lot of care, just like sheep need care. And so rather than focusing on ourselves in this psalm, we focus on the shepherd in the psalm. So that when it comes to life, we don't focus on ourselves, we focus on God. Because when I focus on myself, I am miserable but when I focus on the Lord, I realize that although in this world you'll have tribulation, you can be of good cheer, not because I've overcome the world, but because Jesus has overcome the world. And because I'm in Jesus, now I'm an overcomer. So anything good about me is because of Jesus. So Lord, let me focus on you today and not on myself because a change of perspective can change my life. But when I have this myopic view, when I'm focusing on me as a sheep, Oh, I miss the glory, the power, the beauty, the radiance, the magnificence of this good shepherd. So today, the main point is very simple. Jesus, the good shepherd, makes me to lie down 
so I can rest up, look up, and eat up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he makes me lie down so that I can rest up, so that I can look up, and so I can eat up. So the first thing we'll see from the text is that he makes me to lie down so I can rest up. Psalm 23, 2 says he makes me to lie down. Now, one of the commands that God gave his people was the command for Sabbath or the command to rest. We were created in the image of God. And the Bible says when God created during what we call creation week, he was intentional to rest. He did not rest because he was tired. He rested as an example to us as created beings who get tired that we should rest. So resting is a smart thing. It's a wise thing because we are not eternal. We, we don't have the kind of juice that Jehovah has. Many of us needed coffee to get started this morning. God doesn't need coffee or an alarm clock to get started because he never sleeps nor slumbers. But being created as uh, limited, finite beings, we need rest. And so not only is resting wise, but resting is an act of worship. Because what resting does is it says, let me take my hands off of the plow and trust the Lord who will provide what I need in the fields. Let me let the land even rest so I can trust that the Lord will provide because he is the source, even though the land is a resource. But I'm going to let the land rest because the land needs to rest. But it lets me know that the land doesn't provide. It's God who provides. So when I take my hands off the plow and I get out of the field, it's a reminder of truly where my blessings come from. It comes from God. So when I rest, when I have Sabbath, I am not only being wise because I'm human, but I'm also worshiping because I'm acknowledging where everything comes from. And Lord, I'm going to be still and let you keep on doing the work for me. You don't need me to do the work. You call me to work. It's good for a man to work. But God, let me stop working so I really know who is in control. So he makes me to lie down and we need to have periodic, intentional times and places and spaces of rest. But in today's culture where technology causes everything to always be on all the time. Remember there was a time when you were growing up that the television went off. Right around 2 o'clock, man, they start playing the Star Spangled Banner. And, 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 and those colors will come on the screen. And, and so TV said, we got to go home. I don't know what y'all going to do, but we got to go home. But now, television is nonstop. The internet, nonstop. Information access, nonstop. People can reach us anytime, all the time. We're always on. And we don't know how to rest. And so even now in our culture, we have to be very, very careful because in the West, rest is looked down upon as weakness. But in the East, West is looked upon as wisdom. And so in the West, if, if again, there was a time, again, I'm showing my age because I go back to a time where usually the only people who worked on Sunday were football players. I'm going to meddle just a little bit. I'm going to step in it, and I'm going to step out real quick. But in today's society, our nation doesn't have respect for the Lord's Day like it used to have respect for the Lord's Day. There were, I mean, restaurants were shut down. What Chick-fil-A is doing right now seems odd, but restaurants used to shut down, and families used to go over mama's house to eat, and, and there would be meals after church together. It wasn't always going to a restaurant. People rested on Sunday. 
But nowadays, we're moving Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're moving. And even with our children, our coaches are scheduling practices and all kinds of things on days when they didn't normally do that. And here in the Bible Belt, Wednesday used to be untouchable. No, 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 because they go to church on Wednesday to get in the presence of the Lord. But slowly but surely, they're starting to inundate our calendars with activities from school on Wednesdays. And now on Sundays, there are so many activities and we're traveling. And I'm not being legalistic because we're not under the law, but we need to look at the principle of the law. And that is we all need to rest because if you don't learn how to lay down on your own, life will break you down and make you lay down. And we have a good shepherd who knows when you need some rest. Because sheep get tired from walking. Show the picture of my sheep. They walk everywhere. <laughs> and then when they have grown up and they've got some weight on them, they're carrying that weight. They've got that woolly fleece going on. So it's hot. So sheep get tired because they do a whole lot of walking. But sheep also get tired. Anybody walking with the Lord? I mean, man, it ain't being a Christian ain't for punks. Man, you got to be a woman of God, a man of God to walk with Jesus. And man, it can wear you out walking with the Lord. And then sheep get tired from running. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sheep run. It's a funny thing to see sheep run because they don't normally run. And when they do run, it's because they're afraid and they're running from predators. When they sense a bear or a wolf, a coyote is coming after them, sheep run. That's their only means of defense, which is to run. They don't know how to fight. They weren't built to fight or defend themselves, which is why they need a shepherd to do that. And so for them, they get tired from running all the time. And then sheep get tired from wandering, from wandering. Because it is in the sheep to step out from under the covering and the protective uh, 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 covering of the shepherd to do his or her own thing. It's, it's just in the nature of us. It's in the nature of sheep to wander. Which is why last week when I talked about the good shepherd, uh, when he would take the sheep out on the countryside and he would find a cave or a place to put the sheep in, he would serve as the door of the sheep in order to protect the sheep from anything getting in and from the sheep getting out. And so here's a picture of me in Israel back in 2010 where I am sitting at the door of the sheep pen. And if you notice, there's someone stepping over me as, again, speaking of the shepherd being there to stop predators from coming in, but also to keep the, the dumb sheep from going out. Because there are wolves and all kinds of things out on the countryside waiting to pounce on a sheep who is by itself, apart from the flock and away from the shepherd. And so many times sheep would just meander their way away from the good shepherd's care. Now the good shepherd in heaven is omnipresent. He is everywhere. But under shepherds on earth, whether they be people who work with cattle or people who work with people, we are limited and we don't see and know everything and we can't hold everybody in. And so people do what they want to do. And in sheep terminology, it's called fence crawling. When a sheep is on its side of its property and there's a fence that the sheep that like to wander, they like to stick their head through the neck. Uh, 
uh, through the fence and look out and see the grass that's on the other side and begin to wonder and say, that grass looks better than the grass that I have over here. Matter of fact, that shepherd looks better than the shepherd I have over here. So it's called fence crawling. And after a while, what they do is they ooze their way, squeeze their way through the fence. And next thing you know, they're wandering away from the shepherd and from the sheepfold. Now, there's fence crawling. Another term for that is called backsliding. Oh, I don't have time to get into that right now. <laughs> or carnality, being a carnal Christian. You know where you're supposed to be. You know what you're supposed to do. But there's still something about that world that just keeps drawing you like a magnet. And it has a pull on all of us to some degree, obviously, because we're human. But again, as we keep our eyes on the shepherd, we need to stay close to him, stay with the sheep so that we can be safe and protected. Because in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the story of a sheep that was lost. And he says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which was lost until he finds it? So one of those sheep got lost on its own. And so the shepherd leaves the sheep with a, a hireling so that he can go out and look for the one that wandered off. And uh, the Lord knows how to find us. He knows how to find us. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And so running from God can make you tired. And he needs to go get you so that you can rest on his shoulders so that he can bring you back into proper fellowship and intimacy with him. So he makes the sheep lie down. He's a great shepherd. He comes after us. He knows us by name and he also knows our stupid tendencies that cause us to stray and want to get away. Mm, 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 mm. I'm going to leave that alone right there. But I have a shepherd. He'll call my name when he sees me straying on the internet. And I'm starting to wander. You know, I'm on ESPN and I'm really trying to find out what Steph Curry did last night. But down at the bottom of the page, there's some cheerleader pictures that they want me to click on. And I'm like, I don't need to click on that. I got me a beautiful wife. But sometimes the flesh is like, mm, just, just, just get one look at it. Just get one. And then there's a dumb sheep. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Next thing I know, I take a little click and I take a little step. Take a little clip, then you take a little step. Take another click. And you're like, how did I get all the way over here? But the good shepherd, he calls your name and he says, Chris, you're better than that. Come on over here. Because if you keep going, there's some stuff out there that will really entangle you. You know about it firsthand from back in the day. Man, come on back this way. You don't need that stuff. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> he knows how to make you rest. Lay down, pastor. Lay down, Chris. Yes, Lord. But there's something in me. I got to keep going. I got Because I find a lot of my approval and identity and what I do and what I do and what I do, not in who I know and who I am and who I know and who I am. So I try to find my acceptance in my work. So I'm always working. I'm always trying to do stuff and I'm always busy. And then I lose my temper and I blow a fuse and God is like, will you just rest? Well, if I don't do it, they won't. We heard from the children's ministry director that God don't need her to do the work today. He'll do the work and he'll remind you through a near car accident that it's not about you, it's about me. Will you calm down and breathe? Let them dishes stay in the sink. Let that floor stay dirty. Come on now, you don't have to do it. He makes you lie down so you can rest up. 
He makes you lie down so you can look up. You see, when the shepherd makes you lie down, he does that so that you can slow down. So you'll hear his voice saying, lay down. You don't have to go to that meeting. Come on, take a day off. Stay down. Because once you slow down, he has your full attention. And the reason why God doesn't have our full attention is because many of us are always busy. We're always doing. Well, move. social media is always in our ear, on our mind. And so we don't know how to be still and know that he is God. We're just so inundated with technology and life and stuff is moving. And God is like, calm down, slow down. Because sheep make their living with their heads down. I mean, they're walking and they're grazing. And all they're doing is eating and filling their belly. Eating and filling their belly. Rarely are their heads up. So when they're walking, they're used to having their heads down. But the shepherd will make them stop. Why did I just think about that song, stop? But anyway, the shepherd would make them stop. Have a time. And he would make them lay down. <laughs> Jesus. He'd make them, help him, Lord, help him, Lord. He'd make them slow down so that they could lift up their head and look at the one that they had just been listening to. See, they, they, when they walk with their head down, they're listening to the shepherd. And many times the shepherd is singing over them. As a matter of fact, look at Zephaniah chapter 3. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And so he would lead the flock with his voice by singing a song. And the sheep would keep cadence with him. They didn't always have to have their eye on him, but they could hear the shepherd. And so that would keep them relatively in line with the shepherd. And so the voice, the voice, they, they, they could hear him, but there would also be times where they would have to stop and look at him. Because when the sheep see the shepherd, his presence brings peace because being a sheep can be stressful. If you're running, if you're defenseless, if anything can hurt you at any time because you also got to watch out not only for wild animals as a sheep because you cannot fight. If they get a hold of you, that's it. But you also got to watch out for uh, 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 predators and thieves who will steal the sheep. And so as a sheep, there's a lot of stress and sheep can also miscarry because of the stress that they're under. So being a sheep is stressful. So they have to have a time where they can look up from all of their work all of what they're doing, looking down, and they have to look up and see the shepherd and not just hear his voice. But sometimes, as sheep, we have to look up for the shepherd because we get ourselves in trouble sometimes because our eyes aren't on him. When our eyes aren't on him, again, we wander and we get ourselves in trouble. I get in less trouble when my eyes are on him. But when I take my eyes off of him, I am going to go after what I'm looking at. And if I'm not looking at him, I'm going after something else. So in the spiritual realm, Lord, help me to keep my eyes, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, to keep my eyes on Jesus. Because, again, whatever I'm looking at is what I'm going to go after. And as sheep, sometimes we go after some things that will harm us. Look at Psalm 40, verse 12. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. 
Have you ever been away from God so far that the guilt and the shame cause you not, I can't even look up to heaven no more. And you're believing the lies of the enemy that you can't look up to heaven and that God has stopped loving you. His grace has reached its limit with you. And that's right where the devil wants that sheep that has strayed to make you think that God's mercy all of a sudden has run out with you and that you've gone too far to come back to God. You've done that thing again, and God has washed his hands of you. And the enemy wants us to believe that because when we're out there away from the shepherd and we can't not only see him but hear his voice singing, then the enemy's voice gets louder and the philosophies of the world become more ingrained in us. And next thing you know, we're operating according to something that God saved us out of. And so we're a bigger fool for going back into that stuff that enslaved us. We feel like we can't even lift our head up. And then we find ourselves in some tough places like unemployment. Just seem like I can't get a job or, or bankruptcy. You know, when the prodigal son went out, God had to break him down. He had to lose everything so he could look up and say, I need to go back to my father's house. But while he had all that stuff going on, he wasn't thinking about God. So sometimes God will allow our missteps and where we go, so he will allow the consequences of our decisions to break us so that we look up like Jonah did in the belly of a whale. Because like Jonah, he was running from God, and running from God makes you exhausted. Brown man went into the boat and fell asleep because he's out of the will of God and he's tired. Man, it's easier to go with God than to go against God. It takes a lot of energy, man, to go against God. It takes more muscles in your face to frown than it does to smile. And so just go with what is good. Go with God. It's easier on the soul. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. And for many of us as sheep, life is hard because we are willfully and obstinately disobedient. And we don't care what the shepherd says, the under shepherd says, one of the sheep says, we're going to do what we want to do. But then God will allow us to get broke out there. And then we got to look up because maybe we're in a jail cell. Because we weren't listening to God when we were free. So we had to lose our freedom so that God could have our full attention. And that's why a jail can become a great place of redemption. Psalm 40, verse 13, watch redemption. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Before I couldn't even look up. But the Spirit gave me enough strength to basically say, Lord, please help me. I remember when I had to look up to God for help. And I've done that many, many a times in my life. But one that really sticks out to me was really when my relationship with God really began to blossom and I was in college and football was my identity, football was my God, football was the way I thought I was gonna do something with my life. Even though I, I was good, but I wasn't good enough to become a pro, but every guy is thinking that this is what he's gonna do. And so football, 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 and then I broke my leg playing football. And when I broke my leg, I broke my leg in practice. It wasn't even in a game where they could applaud a brother when they take him off the field. You know, I broke my leg in practice and all they did was say, move him off to the side and run the next play. Never broke anything before playing football. So I'm in the hospital and they're telling me they're going to screw my leg back together. The ankle bone, two bolts are in it. And so I'm like, man. Uh. So while I'm laying on my back, literally in the hospital bed, now I want to pray. I wasn't wanting to pray before. 
I wasn't wanting to really pursue God. Yeah, football was my thing. But in love, he allowed me to get broken so that football, the idol, could be removed and I could see him for all that he is. Now, some stories he gives you back football. I didn't want football back. I'm like, I ain't going back out there. He gave me preaching after that. He gave me a great roommate in Pastor Darrell. And so thus began a new journey of walking with the Lord and walking for the Lord. And it happened from a break that came because I was stubborn and I was doing my own thing. But in love, he allowed me to get broken. So David said in Psalm 51 verse 8, after he had gotten broken because of wandering into Bathsheba's bedroom, he said, the bones that you have broken, they now rejoice. Thank you for breaking me and not taking me. You could have took me out of here. But Lord, you allowed me to live and now I see the error of my ways. I repent, I turn, I see things differently. And now, Lord, oh, thank you for new life. So when you look up sometimes, that's just a look of repentance. Lord, I repent. And my God, he comes a running to you. Well, finally, 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 he makes me to lie down so I can eat up. The shepherd orders the steps of the sheep even when they have to go to brown pastures. Take a look at this, brown pastures. In the east, that's what most of the pastures look like. If you've been to Israel, and depending on what time of the year you go, or if you've been to certain parts of Africa or other countries where there are nomadic people, the, the grass is brown, it's bald-headed in a lot of places, it's rocky. And sometimes based on where the sheep are, you can tell whether or not they're getting enough grass because if they're scrawny, they're not eating well because there's not much in the landscape. And so much of life for a sheep is grazing on brown grass. Brown grass is not the ideal, but many times it's all there is. Now, when we read green pastures in Psalm 23, green pastures here, that's a delicacy. You don't see green pastures all the time unless you go into Israel after the rainy season. Then the grass begins to grow and everything begins to bloom and it's green. And so that doesn't happen all year round. That's just on a particular season after the rainy season. So when you get green grass, that's special because much of the year is with brown grass. Or if you have a shepherd who really wants the sheep to eat well and he really loves the sheep, sometimes during a brown season, he'll lead the sheep up to a mountain up higher where the grass is greener so that the sheep can get, again, a delicacy and eat what they normally don't eat all year round, the green grass. That's grace. But some of us have been raised to think that God waits on us like he is a butler and that everything is supposed to be green all of the time. But everything is not always green all the time. Most of life is brown grass. Because God is teaching you to trust in him and to be content with what you have, whether you have a little or you have a lot. But sometimes all we want is the green. Give me the lush, plush green all the time. No, that's seasonal. That's every now and then. That's up high. So when he makes you lie down in the green, man, that's a blessing. Yeah, oh, that, that's him just saying, I'm, I'm going to kiss you with my grace. I'm going to give you something special. Oh, just lay down in this plush green grass. This don't happen all the time. Enjoy this blessing. It's not the norm. And that's what the good shepherd does. He, he'll make you lie down in that blessing. That you, he knew you needed. 
because you got tired with the brown stuff. Yeah, you eating the brown, you working with the brown, but Lord, I need a blessing. Every now and then he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out something, that, and that's rain, by the way, because the Jews live off the ground, and they can't live off the ground if the rain doesn't come. So the rain is a blessing. Kirk Franklin, melodies from heaven, rain, rain down on me. So when the rain comes, the green comes up. But there would be seasons Israel would not get the rain, some because of their sin, national sin. God was trying to teach them a lesson, but when it came, it was a blessing. And there are times God does stuff in my life where this is a green pasture blessing. I'm like, Lord, this ain't nobody but you. Thank you, God. You didn't have to do that, but you're a good shepherd. Thank you for this blessing, God. And it may be somebody wanting to take me to lunch. Thank you for this blessing, God. You didn't have to do that. Lord, you stopping my car from having an accident. That's one of them green pasture blessings. Somebody invite me to take a trip. That's one of them green. Somebody giving me a book I didn't even ask for, and they just want to bless. Lord, that's a green pasture blessing. I just want to say thank you, God. You're good like that. We have a shepherd who cares about the physical nourishment of the sheep. Look at John chapter 6, verse 10. He told that congregation out there listening to him speak, John chapter 6, verse 10, make the people sit down. So there he is commanding, I'm going to make you sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. So you don't see grass usually in the area. But this was after the rainy season. And the Lord is about to bestow a blessing on some hungry sheep who needed some physical sustenance. So he's like, sit down and let me just bless you. And I'm going to bless you because I'm good like that. I'm not blessing you because you're good because you're not. I'm blessing you because I'm good. And I know that you're hungry and you don't have anything to eat. So make the people sit down. And there was much grass in the place. The good shepherd was about to bless some folk just because he's good like that. And he takes sardines and crackers, thanks God for them, multiplies them, and it's a boatload of fish sandwiches for everybody. So much so that 12 basketfuls were left over. They didn't have room enough to receive what the good shepherd had given them that day. And every now and then, not all the time, but every now and then, he'll do those unusual blessings that will just blow your mind because you'll never appreciate the green places if you think you're supposed to have them all at a time. But most of life is lived with the brown stuff, the ramen noodles, if you know what I mean. So when he does hook you up with a steak, it's like, my God, you're good. He not only cares about physical nourishment, but our shepherd cares about spiritual nourishment. We must consume Jesus, the living word, because in that passage, he said, okay, y'all think this bread from heaven is good. But guess what? Y'all eat this and you die. I'm the bread that came down from heaven that when you eat me, you live. So you don't want just the bread for the body. You want the bread for the soul. I am the bread of life. You must consume me. John chapter 6, verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. 51. Next verse. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So I just want to ask you, before you go to lunch and they bring out the bread for you to eat as the appetizer, before you get that bread, I just need to know before you leave here, have you consumed the bread from heaven? 
and his name is Jesus. Have you by faith consumed him into your soul? By faith, have you received him? And that's what Jesus is talking about. You need to eat me. You need to consume me. You need to digest me. I need to come into your life. And many of his hearers in the first century, they were like, that's just too much. We know his parents. We know his sister. Consume, man, who are you? And that's when many of them said, we ain't following this guy no more. He's crazy. So Jesus looks at his disciples and said, are you going to leave too? Because every now and then a good shepherd has to give a hard word. It can't always be ice cream sermons and, and all this. Sometimes you need some spinach, some sprouts. You need some stuff that make you choke and you need some living water to wash it down. And so Jesus preached a hard word and he said, y'all going to leave too? And Peter said, we ain't going nowhere. Only you have the words of eternal life. So the eternal bread gives eternal life. Oh, have you consumed Christ? If you haven't, you need to do so today. He won't make you, but he'll invite you. And then once you find Christ, you'll just be one beggar who found some bread who tells another beggar where they can go and get fed. You're not better than anybody. You've just found grace, and grace has found you. That's the gospel. Well, Jesus is not only the living word we must consume, but we must also consume the scripture which is the written word of God. Matthew chapter four, verse four, Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God or from the mouth of the shepherd. So he makes me lay down so I can eat up. Physically, spiritually, I'm consuming him, but I also must consume his word. Uh, when Peter was restored into ministry, Jesus said, now I need you to go out. And I need you to build the biggest church you possibly can in the area. I need you to have all of the bells and the whistles and the lights. This is what I need you to do for my sheep. I need you to entertain my sheep. I need you to give them programs that will help them in every area of their life so they can feel good. I need you to give them some self-help and some steps to make them better and to improve and to be happy all the time. This is what I need you to do for my sheep. I need you to entertain them and learn how to hoop that word. When you get, oh, I need you to entertain. That's not what Jesus said. He said, I need you to feed my sheep and feed my man because they hungry. They ain't hungry. They hungry with an O. <laughs> hungry. So Peter, spiritual leaders, moms, dads, pastors, just don't give them candy. and all. Give them the word. Sit down with your children and read the scripture, if nothing else. Read Psalm 23 and together say, let's memorize this together because when they get that word inside of them, how shall a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed to the word of God. Jesus said to Peter, man, feed my sheep. Pastor Chris, feed my sheep. You see, the word of God is our fuel. It's a lot like the electricity that a cell phone needs. A cell phone cannot operate without fuel. Its fuel is electricity. So in order for it to operate, you plug in your cell phone every night or every morning because you don't like going through the day with a cell phone that is not charged, that has no fuel. And so what you do, you are intentional to plug it in at night or in the morning because you know the phone only operates when it's got power. But many of us treat our cell phones better than we treat ourselves. I know you're looking at the time and you're like, I don't want to amen that point. I'm ready to go, but you better stick here right now. God's word is my food. 
And when I don't get the food, man, I run out during the day. I lose my temper. Man, I'm, I'm quicker to lust. I'm quicker to cuss. I'm quicker to fuss. All that stuff when the word is not in me. And so I've got to be like I do with my cell phone. I got to plug in. I got to plug in. Lord, let me get some word at night. Let me meditate on your precepts. Lord, let me get some food in the morning. Let me get in the word for myself. I know pastor gave a word last week. Let's see. I can't remember. That was about seven days ago. He wants you to get your own word for yourself. So you got to plug in and open up this Bible, read it, meditate it, memorize it, study it, because it is, un it is so powerful when it gets in your soul. Don't treat your cell phone better than you treat yourself. So let the church say in conclusion. Jesus, the good shepherd, he makes us to lie down so that we can rest up, look up, and eat up. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, lie down. Now, the good shepherd is like a good parent because a good parent knows how to make their children lay down. Now, go with me here because I don't know too many children that like to lay down when they don't want to lay down. But they don't know that laying down is good for them. So when you start seeing your kid hit that point, they, they, they go to that point, and they start, and they got this funky attitude, and, and they're rude to everybody, and they just mm, snapping at folk. You're like, uh-huh, yeah, it's time. You, 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 you need to go lay down. Go in that room and lay down. And then we have some kids... They go in the room and lay down, and they in there mad. They fighting it. They fighting it. They whining. They crying. And a good parent, like my wife, not like your boy here. I'm like, leave him in there. Be quiet, as a matter of fact. But the good mother, she walk into the room. And she would soothe the child and, and she would sit there, sometimes sing to them, sometimes put her hand on their back so that they would just calm down and go to sleep. My wife would make them lie down. And when they would get up from that nap, supercharged, they were better for everybody. And we're just like that. God sees us throwing tantrums and we're struggling, we're mad, we just have short fuses. God's like, it's time for you to rest. I don't want to, but let me put this good hand on you right now. <laughs> I'm going to make you lie down. I know you don't want to take a Sabbath, right? I'm going to make you be off on Sundays. Don't look at that losing that job as a curse. It's a blessing because you need to be at church. I'm going to make you lay down so you can spend more time with me and you can be better as a result of it. He puts his hand on you so that we can rest. He's a good shepherd like that. And if you believe it, would you stand to your feet at this time? Brother Tyrus, I asked Tyrus to close us out in prayer. We were going to sing, but I'm not going to Baptist preacher you and make you stay even through the song. We are a mixed congregation. Remember now, remember this is cross-cultural. Many of our black folks, we used to being in church till church is done. <laughs> we don't be doing it. Because mm. a lot of us grew up in churches that didn't have children's ministry. Children sat right next to us on the pew, and they stayed, I said pew, and they stayed there. But mixed churches, white folks, man, 
They come from church. I don't know how you can do church in 45 minutes. <laughs> but our white folk come, y'all give up a little bit and say, okay, it's an hour and a half. Pastor can push two hours every now and then. Black folks say, man, I'm used to being in church in the morning for Sunday school, the afternoon, afternoon service, then the evening service, and then we're going to eat there and we're going to have pie and fried chicken. So a lot of my black folk, they're giving up stuff too to be up in here. So amen, this is Strong Tower Bible Church. Tyrus, where you at? This brother just got back from uh, uh, Abu Dhabi, Nigeria, ministering. So come close this brother in prayer. We're not going to sing that last song. I'm not even going to ask y'all if we want y'all to sing that last song. I'm not going to ask y'all. I wouldn't mind the last song, but I ain't going to ask y'all. Brother Tyrus, love you, man of God. And don't forget, if you want to inquire about the May class, here you go. Baptism, all that good stuff. That's so funny. Um, now that he prefaced it with that, um, I just want to communicate something to uh, everyone real quick. I was in Dubai for a week, and then I was in Nigeria for a week, and it was quite the eye-opening experience. Um, when, when you talk about people coming to, to, to worship together corporately, and you talk about the expectation of the people and receiving and responding. Like, I've never seen anything like that before. And it, it made me think, like, what is wrong with us, you know, over here? And I've been overseas and places and all that, but there, it's almost like it comes from a place of desperation, you know, especially in Nigeria, because the, the surroundings are, you know, you can come out the hotel and it's nice church, and literally you walk across the street and it's third world. And, you know, we were, we were I was telling them in the back, we were in sound check one day in the, we were playing a soccer stadium and the stadium was half full during a sound check and they were trying to get people to leave and they wouldn't move because they wanted to keep their seat and by the time we got to the to the show that night um, the artist I was with it, it, I, I was thinking it's because the artist nah, there was a praise and worship leader before us, as soon as they opened their mouth there was no, lift your hands lift your, you know, open your mouth nah, as soon as you started singing, everybody joined in corporately, and they didn't sit, they didn't, all you heard was corporate worship, and it was amazing to hear, and I, I'm just listening, it was so loud, it was deafening, it was really loud, and um, same thing um, in, in Dubai, you know, there's a big Filipino population there, and to, to see people come expecting from whoever it is, Whoever it is, you could have had a child up there. You know, if a child got up there and, and started singing, I will bless the Lord on my soul, you had a stadium full of people singing, I will bless the Lord on my soul. And I don't know, I, I just, it, it was really eye-opening to me. It kind of made me check myself a little bit and kind of say, okay, what is it? It's, they're serving the same God I am. Same God. It's no different. It's 12,000 miles or whatever it is from us. 4,000 or whatever. But... It's the same God. He's doing the same thing here that he's doing there. So why does it seem like they have such a deeper connection than I do? And the fact is they really don't, but they worship God like that's literally all they have. And, and some may, that may be the case. But I, I just implore you to kind of reevaluate um, why you worship and what it means to worship. And why, you know... 
he he's God. He's omnipotent. you know, he's omnipotent. He's he's sovereign. You know, and, and that's why we need to do it. You know, it's 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 due to him. You know, so I would just encourage you to do that. So Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for every soul here today. We thank you for Pastor. We thank you for a word. Um, we thank you for just another opportunity to come to your house and worship with our brothers and sisters, Lord God. We just pray today that uh, you be with us this week um, with every soul, with every heart, with every mind. Lord, we just pray that um, something that came across this pulpit today, whether it be in song or in word, that it, it fuels us, Lord, to, to continue um, with the work of the kingdom uh, moving forward, Lord God. We just pray for um, uh, another infusion of passion for your work, Lord God, um, with whatever we do, Lord God. We just pray that our attitude, that everything we say this week, that it be an extension of our spirits um, that you have placed in us, Lord God. We just pray. Thank you for these things now. By faith, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.